1: Right. Without further ado, let's bring the voice, the man, Garth Galloway, to ear. Garth, good afternoon. Good morning. Welcome. How are you?
0: Sounds like you're resurrecting me. <laughs> yeah,
1: I've just actually been open water swimming at Takapuna Beach. It was bloody rough and it was semi cold, and I'm still recovering, mate. I'm still warming up, to be fair.
0: Well, I'll do. I'll do what I can to help. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, indeed. Hey, hey, look, Garth. Um, number of issues I, I, I do want to discuss. Clearly, you want to look back on New Zealand and Bangladesh, this Test match being played at the moment, New Zealand in a world of trouble. But look, we saw Kane Williamson score his 29th Test 100. Uh, we had a little bit of yep. a discussion during the week saying, look, who is the better player, Martin Crowe or Kane Williamson? And um, it's been interesting. A lot of people still going with Crowe. And part of the rationale, I guess, I presented, I felt that if Martin Crowe was playing in today's era with the benign pitches. Uh, maybe a a somewhat deflated West Indian team, uh, the likes of Bangladesh, uh, the fact that DRS is now in play, grounds are smaller. I still felt Crow probably would have got around the 29-30 Test 100s. Do you have a point
0: of view on this? Uh, It's a very interesting question and a slightly unexpected one, uh, first up. Well, I I think when you look at, the, the point you make about the benign pitches and so on is a good one, and I think that, that when crow was playing the ball tended to move around a little bit more uh you know crow's record uh seventy seven tests seventeen hundreds averaged forty five uh you know you have williamson now averaging nearly fifty five uh and in ninety four tests of course he's he, he's got his twenty ninth test entry as you say and I, I you know the innings that i look back on with martin crow the ones with real affection and and admiration are the ones that uh, where he scored you know, very heavily against the West Indies and against, you know, very fine West Indian attacks and, and you know, a very good ends of 188 in the West Indies. Um, so, you know, that, that for me uh, means... He, 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 I, I think he was undoubtedly playing against better quality fast bowling attacks during that period and in conditions which were less conducive. But when I watch um, a player like Williamson, and, and, you know, we have this tendency to think, well, he's got 100 against Bangladesh and Bangladesh aren't really that good a side. So, But actually, when you watch the, the rest of the New Zealand side struggling, Williamson, was, was it was a quite extraordinarily skillful innings. And his ability to play in the subcontinent, to play against quality spin bowling and just to work the ball around, to push it, to then play more aggressively. You know, they try lots of different things against him and he continues to succeed. So, so I think it's a it's a very interesting discussion. It's a hard one to determine, uh, but I always have a, a very soft spot for for Crow in the way that um, you know that he scored runs against some of those great attacks. On the other hand, you know, for me again, I have a soft spot for Williamson because of his very calm, charming demeanour. Uh, you know, he's unruffled. He's very much his own man and very uncomplicated. I think uh, so. I'm not sure if I can answer the question for you, but those are the things I think about.
1: No, no, I think it's just one of those things where I'm not sure that statistics necessarily always tell the true story. And you've only got to look at bowling averages these days. I think what bowlers, it's about 28 runs per wicket for the top bowlers in the world, where the Hadleys, it was around sort of 21, 22. Correct, Um, correct. The top batting averages during the Crow era around about 43, 44, Alan Border, case in point. These days, a lot more players averaging well above 50, so I think you, you do have to look at way conditions have changed. Uh, look, I, I yeah. know I, I know that Scott Styrus, um, speaking to Brad Lewis, who produces here, believes that Ross Taylor is arguably the best batsman that we've um, produced. And so there are other names I guess you can throw into the mix, and then clearly you go back to the era of the Burt Sutcliffs, which I didn't get to see play, and a lot of people will you know, mention players like that.
0: Yeah, i't I mean I don't yeah, don't agree with um, Scott on that Taylor was our best Test batsman. I think for me he's he's our best 50 over batsman, um, our best one day international batsman, you know one day international cricket, I think. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you know Sutcliffe of course brings a completely different dimensions because uh, you know then you go back to pitches which were uncovered. Uh, you have players with <clears throat> you know with gloves with spikes on their hands, uh, you know no thigh pads. Uh, in those days, uh, you know, no helmets, no chest pads, no arm guards, um, a very different game and a, a very high level of skill required. And and that's, you know, again, when you watch players now and the conditions are much more benign than they were in those days. Uh, and you, But having said that, the players, um, you know, there's a tendency for sides to have a lot of, you know, to, to develop muscular and strong bowlers who probably bowl a little bit faster and more consistently and they're fitter. But, but you look at players and, and techniques now mark and, and one of the interesting things I think is how many how often players get hit in the head and Sutcliffe, you know these players you know they were really hit in the head he, I mean his famous one was of course in South Africa in 1953 when he came back on having been hit by Neil adcock and, and then hit a number of sixes you know after the away disaster it's a great story and we won't get distracted by it, but, but you know, th- those players got hit in the head very rarely, whereas now you know, things, things have changed a bit. But I don't think the techniques are as good against short-pitch bowling. Um, and, and, and also players tend to stay in line and try and hook and pull a lot more rather than get out of the road.
1: Hmm. OK, let's put the focus and spotlight on this test between Bangladesh and New Zealand. I mean, Bangladesh for so long, they sort of remind me of where Sri Lanka were in the 1980s. I remember watching Sri Lanka come here in 1983. I remember New Zealand scoring 300 in a one-day game, Jeff Crow hitting six off the very last ball to bring up the 300. I think Dilip Mendes might have been captain at the time. Uh, clearly, you know, 13 years later, they're winning the World Cup and they are, you know, a legitimate test-playing nation. Are Bangladesh there now? Are they? Have they moved from being sort of an international minnow to being, you know, a legitimate scout scalp?
0: Uh, um, I, well, I think at home they're a different, obviously a different side to, to when they're away. So they, they're, they're a side that can perform quite well in the subcontinent. Um, you know, they've played 139 test matches now, Mark, and they've won 18 of them. Uh, and I was just looking at those statistics. Eight of those wins have been against Zimbabwe. Uh, they've won, they've beaten a very ordinary West Indies side four times, and then they've won one game against Australia, one against England and Sri Lanka, and, and, and this time tomorrow they probably will have won two against New Zealand. Um, so so they're, you know, they're finding their way. I, I, I think you look at their development program and, and think that their under-19 side, they, they won the World Cup, you know, so, so it tells you they're doing something right, Bangladesh, Um and I think they're going to become more of a force. What I think is interesting about this side is they're missing Shaqib, uh, you know, their they're outstanding captain and all-rounder. They're missing uh, Lytton Das, a top-order batsman, and they're missing one of their quicks as well. So New Zealand would have fancied their chances, I think, against this Bangladesh side, and I think they'll be very disappoint- disappointed with the position that they're in.
1: Yeah, that, that's my next question, we don't seem to criticise the New Zealand cricket team that heavily and maybe because we don't have the expectation, we don't have that legacy of winning that perhaps, you know, the expectation that goes with, say, an all-black team so if we are to criticise this New Zealand team, where, is, where does the criticism lie in this particular test? Um, well, well,
0: well, 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 I think we've been spoiled by results, you know, we, we're in the I think we're coming to the tail end of a golden period of New Zealand cricket uh, you know the other the other great period was the 1980s when Crowe was at his best in Sir Richard Headley. Uh and now you know this has been a terrific period. Uh, I, I think um, the approach. Well, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that I think go into the mix in this test in Bangladesh. Uh, first, you know, I, I look at the selections and I think, well, you know, Nichols is back. He, he's there because he got 200 against South Africa. Uh, sorry, against Sri Lanka. Uh, a few innings ago and so they picked him and I suppose you know there are plenty of people who would say well that's fair enough but but you know in in his last 18 innings apart from that 200 he's averaging 15 and I continue to see the shots that he plays uh, playing across the line he played a very poor sweep shot to get out last night and got a top edge and caught it uh, on the 45 on the leg side uh, you know, and, and we're continuing to pick players like this and not look to develop players. I also look at the selection of Phillips. Now he he bowled a few overs and he showed some of our spinners up. He he took four for fifty three and did a reasonable job, but he's nothing more than a part-time spin bowler, Phillips. You know, his his first-class bowling average is forty one. Um, you know he's a useful bowler who who will pick up wickets and, and I thought he you know, he was he bowled well in the first innings he was fortunate because they tried to attack him but what is he doing batting at number seven uh, he he is a specialist batsman and a part time off spinner and he's batting at seven and this is the sort of tendency that New Zealand have to try and get a few overs out of some of their batsmen. But, but I don't understand why he's at seven. So, so uh, you, uh, Tom Latham is... Sorry, sorry. Are,
1: are you suggesting then that Glenn Phillips should what, be batting at four instead of Henry Nichols?
0: Yeah, it, uh, yep. yes, so, well, yep. well, of course. Or you bring Ravindra in as well. Yeah, I was going to bring up Ravindra. About it, about, but, yep. Yeah, well, you, you know, I mean, Ravindra played spin in the World Cup. Of course, it's a different game, but they're in the subcontinent. I, I thought he played against the spin bowlers terrifically. Uh, you know, and, and again, I, I can't really understand why he wasn't picked, even even against the background of that World Cup, uh, where he's clearly confident, high. Uh, you know, I would have brought him into this game and, and given him a go. I don't think he's a chess match spinner, but I think he's a better spin bowler than Phillips. Uh, and I think, you know, he's a player I would have brought in. Nichols is the player I would have moved out. Um, But again, you know, then you look at this New Zealand side, I mean, the good things to come out of the match, I suppose, uh, that that I think Jameson's bowled well. Uh, I thought he was really impressive in the second innings. He got a little bit of bounce. He moved the ball around. Um, You know, he is looking. Uh, like a top class international bowler. And we know that. He's played 16 tests. He has 72 wickets at an average of 19, which, you know, given what you've just been talking about with modern fast bowlers, you know, the average is around 27, 28. That's a very good record. Um, but they need a lot more out of him. They need him to be fit and playing a lot. Uh, I think the way the, stro- the shot selection, I mean, there's a reason that Mitchell and, and Williamson are successful, they tend to play down the ground more often. And I think we see some of the other batsmen are playing across the line a lot. They employ the the sweep shot and the reverse sweep. Williamson does those things, but he does them very well. Uh, Mitchell, much less so, and is tending to focus on using his feet in a much more traditional way. And that's why I think he's successful. Um, You know, I tend to think that our players now against spin bowling are often quite crease bound, and they they look to play those horizontal bat shots too often.
1: Mm. We have both been critics of the lack of use of consistent spinners and the likes of Ajay's Patel and that we tend to always play these part-time type spinners. We have gone into this test with Patel and Ish Sodi. What have you made of their performances and do you feel somewhat vindicated with the fact that Patel has been picked?
0: um, Well, yes and no. Uh, He's picked against a background where as, as, as we've talked about, he took 14 wickets in Mumbai, and then bowled two overs in the next calendar year. Didn't play against Bangladesh at home, didn't play against South Africa at home. They then took him uh, to the Lord's Test, and, and he bowled two overs at a cost of 22 runs. And then they, you know, they brought him in against uh, the, the Pakistan, and, and I think he bowled okay in there. But it's incredibly hard for him. Coming out of whatever cricket he's getting in New Zealand to be expected to then turn up and, and and win a Test match or bowl respectively, so he so you know I feel like he struggles a little with a little bit with his rhythm and consistency. I think the Bangladesh spinners have been better than the New Zealand spinners, but if you you know we're not going to see players like Patel. Uh, being able to perform really consistently unless they are picked consistently. And and New Zealand needs to change their mindset and they need to pick spin bowlers who are specialist spin bowlers. A bonus if they're good with the bat, but you need to have your best spin bowler there. The other thing about Sodi, since since 2013, he has played 20 tests for New Zealand. He played 11 of those uh, almost within a calendar year from when he started. So from October 23 to November 24, Uh, Sorry, from 2013 to 2014, he'd played 11 of those 20 chests. He's played nine in the last seven years uh, and only three in the last couple of years. So how you expect a a player who's picked so infrequently. But I think the other thing that tells you, he's not consistent enough and he bowls too many loose balls. And the fact that he is still playing 10 years after making his debut, having played intermittently, tells tells us more about the, the dearth of good spin bowlers in New Zealand and what a problem it is than it tells us about Saudi's quality.
1: OK, Garth, I'll ask you this then. If we lose this series to Bangladesh, will that be the catalyst for the change you're asking for? Do you think that New Zealand has the courage to go out there, make changes, tell guys like Henry Nichols that perhaps their time is up Look at players like Ish Sodhi, and then look for the next wave of players coming through, or is it that case of well, we'd like to, but we don't actually have a, another wave of players to bring through?
0: Um, the, the, there will be some players there yeah, that they can bring through. There's no question about that. Uh, but the, the answer is no. I, I don't think New Zealand will do that. They are they are incredibly conservative. Uh, you know, we've talked in the past, Mark, about playing you know home series against teams like Bangladesh, an excellent opportunity to blood players. But, but they are incredibly loyal to to their playing you know they're playing core and they tend to pick them all the time. Uh, so do I see am I hopeful that we'll see a change of of approach under the current regime? Uh, not a chance uh, in my view and unfortunately. Uh, and and that is to the detriment. And so one of the things that you and I' have talked about over the last couple of years is that the golden spell is coming to an end and and that New Zealand sides, in order to to succeed because of the amenities that we have, not as good as some of the other countries, we don't have as much money, Uh, we don't have the playing depth, we have to take risks at times. And one of those risks for me is you've got to say to a player like Patel, provided he's bowling okay, we're going to pick you in every test team that we play. And, And you're our top spinner, and provided you're producing form, you're in. And and that is the approach that New Zealand has to take. Mm. Look at an Australian side; they did it. They, they, they did it with with uh, Nathan Lyon, a really fine and wonderful off spinner. Uh, he 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 played every test that he was available for. Uh, look at what McCullum is doing with Jack Leach uh, in in pitches in England, where the ball is seeming around a bit. He plays a spinner every time. Uh, we looked rather to play part time spinners uh, who will get runs for us, and it doesn't work. Mm.
1: Garth, one other matter I do want to bring up, and I've probably taken you off guard on this, and I guess it can be slightly contentious, and everyone's got a different point of view on it, and that has been the discussion this week about Lou Vincent being given maybe a reprieve. He's picked up this ban back in 2014 for life for match fixing. Um, The likes of John Bracewell have come out and said, Look, people who commit murder get out of jail. Um, He's a good bloke, he did some dumb stuff, but maybe it's time for this guy to be allowed back in and you know, maybe pass some of that knowledge on. I've got to say I'm in agreement. I've always had a little bit of an affinity for um, Lou Vincent and, I, you know, I don't condone what he did, but then I've seen Sandpaper Gate, which, while not illegal, to me is still a form of match-fixing. Players have gone on and still making millions, of just won Cricket World Cups. Where do you sit on the Lou Vincent situation?
0: Uh, uh, well, the English people who banned him, uh, they, they have a heightened sense of indignation around, uh, around these sorts of things. You know, he turned up and admitted wrongdoing, said that he had um, made mistakes, he was very candid about what he had done, and and for that he got 11 life bans. Uh, You know, utterly stupid uh, punishment in my opinion, and one, no one can condone what Lou did, but what you do have to, to consider is the foibles of the human condition. The weakness that you know almost every human has. That Absolutely. doesn't mean that everyone's going to be involved in, in match fixing. But you know, having worked in law for a long time and with a lot of flawed people, and, and being one, uh, you know, you understand that people make mistakes, and, and 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 when they own up and say, "Yep, got it wrong," well, of course they have to face a punishment, but they don't have to have the book thrown at them for life. And, you know, as I say, the, the, the sort of failure of the people who make these decisions to understand the foibles of the human condition, I find it just, it's gut wrenching and depressing. I watched Lou give his evidence in the Cairns um, perjury trial in the High Court at Southwark in, in London uh, a few years ago um, I, when I was over there with, with Brendan McCullum. I thought that he was, you know, he gave evidence. Uh, I just thought he was a very courageous person. He didn't have to. He turned up uh, and did what he thought was the right thing, and I, and I have no doubt that it was the right thing to do. Uh, you know, he, he's he's got a lot more courage than than many people I know. Uh, I think it would be great if the ban was lifted, and I think it would be great if he, if he could be involved by New Zealand Cricket and player education and so on. And he should just be allowed to go with his kids and things and watch cricket at a cricket ground. It's, it's, it's humane.
1: Yeah, and also I think he's also admitted that he's struggled a lot with his mental health and stuff, and I'd imagine this is this is probably uh, maybe an area that could help him, maybe, you know, um, help in that area as well, because the last thing we want is sort of the mental health um, to take over to a point where, you know, someone ends up taking
0: their life, perhaps. Well, the punishment's so oppressive, isn't it? That's the point. Mm. You take... You know, Lou, Lou is a genuine lover of the game. Um, you, you see that in the way that he talks about it. You see it in the way that he plays. He's one of those people who's always got time. You know, as a player, he always had time to chat to other people and so on. You know, he was he wasn't arrogant and up himself. He's a good person, um, like many of us. You know, he's flawed. Uh, yeah, bring him. You know, bring him back. Let him watch cricket. <laughs> he's not going to be playing again and involved in that way. So, uh, you know, there's very little damage that can be done and um, and he's clearly learned his lesson. So, mm. you know, let, let, let's be humane about it and sensible.
1: Garth Galloway, lovely to have you on the programme. We're looking forward to listening to your dulcet tones over the cricketer summer here on SCNZ.
0: Thanks Mark, have a great day, hope you're warming up
1: <laughs> uh, Living the dream Anyway, Garth Galloway there talking all things cricket 22 minutes after 10, you're listening to SENZ You might have some thoughts on that, it's been a bit of a discussion this week, 0800 150811 if you do want to have your say on the Lou Vincent situation particularly um, Also again a continued discussion that's been going on for 2 or 3 days our greatest ever batsman, um, who is it? You know, is it just about statistics? you've got to say that today's era is a lot more conducive for batting than back in the day of Martin Crow. Terms of just elegance, grace, X factor, um, you just sit back and went, wow, did you see that cover drive? To me, it's Martin Crow. I think the most talented batsman we've had might just be Brendan McCullum in terms of just pure X factor, the ability to do what that guy does. But I think there's a difference between that and talking about being, I guess, that textbook cricketer.